The devil has tried to separate children from their fathers. It happened with Adam and his son Cain, didn't it? And it happens today. Today's Father's Day, and I'm going to be speaking on the subject of the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son. Uh, the title of the message is, I Sure Miss My Dad. You know, being a father is an amazing experience. I've been a father three times. And dads, especially first-time dads, often feel overwhelming emotions when they first hold their baby boy or their baby girl. They look down into their little eyes. Professor Richard Horowitz is a parenting coach at Caldwell University in New Jersey. And he said these words, quote, One of the things that men get hit with, especially first-time fathers, is the enormous sense of responsibility and protection. End of quote. I think he's right. I think that uh, certainly it's true of most fathers. Now, a quick Bible question for you. Who was the very first human father? What was his name? Some of you, I think I was trying to say, I can't hear you. A little louder? Adam. The very first human father was Adam. And we know this story, don't we? Now, the Bible said he had a son. And what was his first son's name? Say it loud. Cain. You seem a little nervous there. It's not a trick question. Very uh, Bible 101. Yeah, so he had a son. His name was Cain. He called him Cain. And can you imagine Adam holding Cain as a little baby and looking into his eyes and feeling that sense of uh, responsibility and protection and overwhelming emotions? Adam was a was a father. I'm sure he would have felt these things. And uh, we can only wonder what Adam felt as he looked into Cain's eyes. Now later, he had another son. Now this is easy. What's the second son's name? What is it? Abel. Boy, those masks, I think, are giving us problems here. I can hardly hear you. Uh, yeah, his second son's name was Abel. And again, he would have held Abel and how would he have felt that day as a dad? Well, of course, after this, Adam and Eve had many, many, many more children. They didn't just have the two. They had a lot, a lot of children. And in the process of time, Cain and Abel, they grew up. And as what normally happens, the little personalities start to develop and their temperaments develop. You know that. And children born of the same parents, under the same roof, eating the same food, learning the same lessons, they turn out so differently, don't they? Isn't that true? Your children are all different. And Adam would have watched Cain and Abel grow up and he would have seen the differences and the changes in them. One particular change and one very noticeable difference between Cain and Abel was when it came to God. And it seems that Abel was a lover of God and a worshiper of God. And it doesn't seem as if Cain were a lover of God. And so this, this big difference grew between the two boys. 
But the day came when Cain murdered his brother Abel. And after this, God banished Cain and put a mark on him and banished him to go live far away. And we can only wonder how Adam must have felt as he watched his firstborn son have to pack his things and walk away. Can you imagine how Adam would have felt knowing he'd never see his boy again? I'm sure his heart was broken as he watched Cain leave. Cain carried the guilt and the remorse and regrets of his actions all his life. But think about it. At any time after this, for the rest of his life, did Cain ever miss his dad? Do you think there was a time when Cain was living far away that he ever sat down and said, boy, I sure miss my dad. Do you think that makes sense? I think that it's very reasonable to assume that he missed his dad. I think it's a normal thing for a son or daughter to miss their dad. Let me ask you here today, do you miss your dad? You folks watching online, do you ever miss your dad? If he's gone away on a trip, do you miss him? If he's in the hospital sick, do you miss him? Or perhaps your mom and dad have separated. They live separate lives. Do you ever miss your dad? Or perhaps you're the one who's moved far away from home. Do you ever miss your dad? Or perhaps your dad has died. He's no longer around. Do you ever miss your dad? It's a normal thing for a son or daughter to miss their dad. And today is Father's Day and we're going to look at the story in the Bible of the prodigal son. And with all probability, this prodigal son, at some point when he was living far away, sat down and said something like, I sure miss my dad. So before we go any further, let's bow for prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, help us to gain perhaps an insightful uh, look at this story today. Holy Spirit of God, speak with our hearts. Now, dear Heavenly Father, you know our hearts. And if you know that if there's anyone here in this building today or watching online who is not yet born again, be they a father or a mother or a son or a daughter, Father, speak to their hearts. Encourage them. Come home. For the Father really loves you. And now lead on, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, with your Bible open at Luke chapter 15, uh, this is a wonderful parable we have. But before uh, we get into it, we realize Jesus told two other parables in this same chapter. And Jesus started telling parables to the Jewish people to basically teach them some things about salvation and the kingdom of God, but also things that they would be facing in the coming tribulation, which has not yet happened. And so the two parables before the prodigal son, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin, and they're very, very evident, very clear. They're talking about salvation. Lost people need to be saved. I spoke with someone a week ago and pointed out to him that his first need was to find the Savior, to find God, to become born again. After that, everything else will tend to fall in line. 
That's true for all of us, folks. Very important that you make sure, without any shadow of a doubt, that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Very important, folks. And so, these two parables seem to teach salvation. But when we come to this parable, the next one, the parable of prodigal son, it seems to teach both a salvation and a reconciliation of backslidden believers. That's very evident because we have a father in the story awaiting the return of his son. And so it's a very legitimate application. If you're here today and you've never been born again, you've never been saved, you're not part of God's family, today is the day of salvation. If you're watching online and you've never been saved, make it today. Well, interestingly, in chapter 15, we see almost a type of progression of intimacy. You see, if you look at verse 4, Jesus said, What man of you having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them? So we're talking about one out of a hundred, right? One sheep out of a hundred. That's pretty evident. Then Jesus moves on to the next parable in verse 8. He says, Either what woman having ten pieces of silver if she loses one? And now it's not one out of a hundred. Now it's one out of ten. Well, that's getting a little more familiar, a little more intimate, if, if you will. But when we come now to this parable of the prodigal son, if you look at verse 11, and he said, a certain man had two sons. And we're talking about the prodigal, one out of two. It was one out of a hundred, one out of ten, and now it's one out of two. And it seems to be more intimate. It seems to be more familiar, closer, if you will. And so that's just a thought. But in our story of the prodigal son, something that's interesting is that there's no mention of a mother. We have a father and we have two sons, an older son, a younger son. But there's no mention of a mother. Perhaps she's no longer living. Perhaps she passed away. Quite likely, the father was perhaps elderly. And this may be why he gave in to his son's request, his younger son's request, to divide to the sons the inheritance. It was a bit early because he wasn't dead yet. And yet this is what he decided to do. And so let's look at verse 13. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And so the younger son decides to move, into, uh, move away from home to a, a country far away, uh, some place where he could really live it up. Something like a Hollywood, something like a Las Vegas, some place where he could just go and just have the time of his life. He had all this money and nothing was going to hold him back from the desires of his heart. He was going to have all kinds of fun. If you look at verse 30, you'll notice that his older brother said, But as soon as this thy son uh, was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, so that gives you an idea of some of the riotous living he was involved with. Prostitutes, high-class call girls, low-class call girls. He was involved, I'm sure, with gambling. He would have been involved with alcohol if they had any kind of, of drugs, uh, like a pharmacia kind of uh, drugs back then, any kind of uh, hallucinogenic. I'm sure he would have tried it. 
he got involved in everything he possibly could. And the thing is, he, he couldn't stop. He kept spending and spending and spending. And oh, he had friends, didn't he? And when you're a big spender, you have friends gather all around you. And he was a high roller. And I'm sure that, that he was drunk and he'd roll the dice and, and he'd put money on this and money on that and drinks all around, drinks on me. And he spent and spent and spent until it was all gone. He couldn't stop spending. You know, there are people like that. There are people that when they get a little money, they have to spend it. They have to run to the store and spend it. Now, I'm not trying to say that such people are the prodigal son here. I'm not trying to say that. Nor are they wasting everything on riotous living. Some people spend everything they got on nice things for the home. <laughs> but the point is, some people can't hold on to money. And it seemed that this young fellow here was one of them. Now, look at verse 14. And when he had spent all, there we go. There arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. It was only a matter of time, wasn't it? If you keep spending out more than what you have coming in, it's only a matter of time before it's all gone. There's nothing to replenish it with. And this young fellow didn't seem to realize that. And as long as he had money, he was going to have a great time. So we don't know how he was raised. We don't know all what his father taught him or tried to teach him. But it seems that the young guy wasn't content to be at home with his dad and his brother. And he took off with this big bag of gold. It was only a matter of time. And this happens to young people. I saw in the news in 2005, Peter Kyle, a young fellow, Peter Kyle, he won nine and a half million dollars in the British lottery. In three years, he spent it all and he was on welfare after that. Isn't that just kind of take your breath away? Then in 2002, there was a 19-year-old fella named Michael Carroll. And Michael won $19.7 million in four years. Four years, it was all gone. Every last penny. And he took a job working a garbage truck after that. But you know, sadly, living like the prodigal son can sometimes happen to older fellows too. And in 2002, a 55-year-old man named Jack Whitaker, he won a monster big Powerball lottery in the States. And he took a cash payment of $162 million. Now, how long would that money last you? $162 million. That was in 2002. By 2007, five years later, it seems that Jack had both spent and lost all of it. Some of it was stolen. Some of it was, he was conned out of it by con artists. And the rest of it, he spent like a madman. It was gone $162 million in five years. It's unbelievable. Now, as for our prodigal son here in the story, he spent it all. But to make matters worse, 
God sent judgment upon that wicked Las Vegas city in which he was living. Maybe it was like a Sodom and Gomorrah type. Maybe it was like the city of Rome kind of thing. But we don't know what city it was, but whatever city or country it was, God sent a terrible famine. And there was no food. Things dried up pretty bad. Now look at verse 15. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. That means pigs. And here's this young Jewish fellow. Oh, what a job for a young Jewish man to have to get in there and feed the pigs. Feed the pigs. Last Wednesday, Pastor Devian spoke a message on deviled ham. And he brought out an interesting point. That the people of that country in Decapolis... There was a certain, certain city there where this happened. The people thought more of the pigs than they did of the two men who were demon-possessed. That's pretty sad, don't you think? But the pigs represented money. As they say, follow the money. It's amazing what people will do for money. Our young prodigal here, look what he did for money. And he wasted it all. And then when the money ran out, so did his friends, by the way. And he had to get work. He had to live. He had to eat. And the only job he could get was with this pig farmer. And so the pig farmer sends this Jewish boy out to feed the pigs. That's pretty bad. But it was here in the pig pen that the prodigal finally hit bottom. We're going to see he came to himself. He finally hit bottom. Listen to me today. And folks, you that are watching online, if you're living a prodigal life or a bit of a prodigal life, have you hit bottom yet? Have you wandered away from the Lord at all? Have you hit bottom? Have you realized that this world is just a pig pen compared to what the Heavenly Father has. Verse 16, And when he would fain, that means, the word fain here means a great desire, a great overwhelming desire for something. And when he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. This guy was so hungry that it looks like he was starting to eat the garbage that he was feeding to the pigs. It pretty much looks like that. And of course, all his apparent so-called friends that he had when he was living high, high on the hog, so to speak, when he had lots of money, he had lots of friends. Where were those friends? Why didn't they come and help him? Maybe they couldn't. Maybe they wouldn't. When the money went, so did the Friends, money's all gone, so are the friends. No one would help him. No one. And he had to get this miserable job. Folks, listen to me, please. This is so important. Sin always promises to give you, uh, promises you more than it gives. Sin always takes you further than you wanted to go. Sin always leaves you worse off than you were before. That is so true, so true. Sin promises freedom and joy, but it delivers slavery and sorrow. 
And that's very evident from this young man's life. Sin always tells you, we're going to have a great time. And what ends up happening is you get ruined in the process. You get trampled on and destroyed. Verse number 17. And when he came to himself, underline those words in your Bible. He said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. Now this is the point in his life where he really starts to wake up. As we said, he hit bottom. He came to himself. The light bulb went on. He realized what a miserable mess he had made of his life. You know, it's amazing how going without food for a while can clear up one's thinking. It's amazing. Bring the truth into perspective. You see, up to this point, the prodigal really had been well fed. He'd been well clothed. He'd been well looked after. And it seems that the truth of reality had been hidden from his eyes. He didn't see it. He didn't realize it, how good he had it back home. He didn't realize it. He didn't see it. He didn't realize it. How much his father loved him. And he didn't see it. And he didn't realize it. How much God loved him too. Sad, isn't it? But he finally came to himself. And so perhaps, without realizing it, perhaps he suddenly found himself sitting there in the pig pen and looking off in the distance and saying, I sure miss my dad. What are some of the things that a fellow might miss about his dad? Maybe number one, he might miss his father's love and approval. He might miss that. Number two, he might miss his father's home and the comfort of home. He might also miss his father's provisions, maybe the home-cooked meals. Perhaps he might miss his father's wisdom to be able to sit down and talk things out with his dad or maybe his dad's sense of humor. But most of all, maybe he just missed being near his dad. And so in the clearness of this moment, the prodigal made up his mind what he needed to do. Look with me please at verse number 18. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Now something interesting, it would not have occurred to the young man at this point. But something interesting is that this young man's father was also missing him. He didn't realize that. Young people often don't realize this when they leave home. The emptiness they leave behind. The empty hearts, the brokenness and tears sometimes. And this prodigal took off with a bag full of money. He went to a far country to live it up, and he did. And there is pleasure in sin for a season, a short season. That's what the Bible teaches. There's pleasure in sin for a season. But you see, after this comes the heartache. After this comes the brokenness. In English, we say, you have to pay the fiddler. 
after the fiddling is done, now you got to pay. And this poor prodigal, he had to pay. And pay he did. Wow. What a horrible position to be in. And all these months, all these years that he was away from home, spending that fortune and wasting it on riotous living, was a father every day thinking about his son, every day scanning the horizon, wondering if he would see his son again or perhaps even a letter. You know, some, some young people, they take off and they never even write a letter to their dad or to their mom. All is forgotten in their new life in the new country, in Sin City. You know, it's natural for a son or daughter to desire their father. We have the young prodigal finally waking up and really desiring his dad because that's what it led to. If he didn't desire his dad, he would not have gone back home. But it's absolutely normal and natural. And I'd like to show you something that I found recently in the scripture that just amazed me. Um, if you would keep your finger there in Luke chapter 15, I'd like you to turn back to the book of Job. Now, if you say, well, where's the book of Job? Go to about the middle of the Bible. That's the book of Psalms. And right before Psalms is Job. And go to Job chapter number 34. Job chapter 34. Um, if you're familiar with the book of Job, it's an amazing book. And how God allowed suffering in the life of this great man for very important reasons. And when we come near the end, there was a fellow named Elihu. And Elihu seemed to be a bit younger, but he's the guy that seemed to have the answers. And he starts from chapter 32 to, verse, to chapter 37. 32 to 37, giving his wisdom, showing that God has his reasons and purposes. But you see, in verse 36 of chapter 34, Elihu makes an amazing statement. He says, My desire is that Job may be tried unto the end because of his answers for wicked men. My desire. Now, the interesting thing I want to point out for you, you can't see it here, but... In the Hebrew, in which this was originally written, it's one word, avi. It's like in English, A-V-I. Av is the Hebrew for father. Avraham, father of a multitude. We kind of pronounce it with a B instead of a V. You know, ab, like in the New Testament, we say abba, daddy, right? You familiar with this? Well, in Hebrew, it's av. And that means father. And when you add the E on the end, it makes it first person uh, possessive. My. So it's my father. So that's technically what the Hebrew says. But the sense of it in English, in this case, is not my father. But it's my desire. And what we see here is just an amazing uh, occurrence of how the normal natural desire for a son or daughter is toward the father. That is a normal natural desire. And I'll show you something else if you would turn please back to the book of Genesis. Genesis in chapter number 50. 50. Genesis chapter 50. 
I want you to see that it's reciprocal. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 33, we have Joseph as an old man. Remember Joseph, he was sold into slavery, ended up into Egypt, and while he was there, God used him to save his whole family. Remember the story? Well, now Joseph's a, an elderly man. He's an old man here. And chapter 50 and verse number 23. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation, uh, the children also of Maker, the son of Manasseh, were brought up, look at this, upon Joseph's knees. On Joseph's knees, because there is a normal, natural, fatherly tendency there toward the children. The way God has designed family is there's a normal, natural desire toward the father. Now, we're just talking the fathers today. We know this is true with the mothers. But with fathers too, yes. There's a normal, natural desire of the children toward the fathers and the fathers toward the children. There's a normal, natural desire that God has put there. Now, you say, well, boy, that's not in my family. We hate each other. We don't even want to be around each other. Then something's gone wrong. Something has gone amiss. Maybe over time, the devil has caused certain things to happen to break down this normal, natural relationship. That is the normal, normal, natural thing that God has designed for fathers and children to be close. And if you've experienced a breakdown of that, and toward your dad, if you've got nothing but animosity, anger, bitterness, or toward your son or your daughter, I'm talking to the dads now, you have animosity, anger, bitterness, something's not right. Because this is not the normal, natural way that God designed. And you'll find, I think you'll find very often, that whatever God designs, the devil tries to break. Whatever God is for, the devil is against. By the way, you can turn this thing around. Find out what the devil is for, and you'll know what you should be against. That's good advice too. But it's a normal, natural thing for a son or daughter to desire their dad. Of course, down through the years of human history, the devil's been busy, hasn't he? And he's not stopped. We've got so many broken up families today because our enemy, Satan, the devil, has gotten in there somehow and poisoned our relationships and made our hearts bitter and so on. But the devil has tried to separate children from their fathers. It happened with Adam and his son Cain, didn't it? And it happens today. I'll have you know that it's God's will to reunite fathers with children. It is the will of God to do that. Now you might say, well, how does God do it? Maybe someone here or someone watching online knows a little of what I'm speaking. The trouble, the anguish, the anger, the bitterness, the, uh, the poison that can happen between fathers and children. You say, well, I sure wish it wasn't that way, but how do we fix it? What's the answer? God has the answer. It's amazing, God's answer. And you needn't turn there, but it's in the book of Malachi. It's the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 6. I'll read it for you. 
It says, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers. Let me read it again. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers. Now this was a promise God made through the prophet Malachi. Here, chapter 4, verse 6, Malachi. That God would send the prophet Elijah. Now the interesting thing is that in Matthew 17, the Lord Jesus picks up on this promise of God. And Jesus quotes Malachi 4.6 in Matthew chapter 17. In Jesus' day, we had the same problem. Fathers and their sons, fathers and their children were busted apart. Hey, what do you think the, the, the whole story of the prodigal son is about? A father-son relationship that got busted apart. It was happening in Jesus' day. And in Matthew chapter 17, the Lord Jesus indicated that Elijah had already come. And it says he was talking about John the Baptist. Now that's interesting. You say, John the Baptist, what has he got to do with this? What has John the Baptist got to do with bringing fathers and sons back together? And the answer is in one word. Repentance. John the Baptist's whole ministry was about repentance. He baptized unto repentance. He was getting people ready for, to receive God. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what he preached. And he baptized repentance. And people were coming and getting baptized. And here's the amazing thing. As people repent and get right with God, all of a sudden they start coming back together. And this is how God brings the fathers and the sons back together. He does it through repentance. When fathers repent, when sons repent, all of a sudden they, there's a desire, a God-given desire to come back together. They put the past in the past. They mend their bridges. They come back and embrace. That's what we see here happening in the parable of the, the prodigal son. And I want you to know repentance is, has always been, it is the key. Repentance is the key. God uses the preaching of repentance to bring fathers and their children back together. And in our story, the prodigal repented, didn't he? He finally hit bottom. He finally came to himself. He finally realized what a jerk he had been. He finally realized how he had squandered and wasted everything on riotous living. And he repented and he decided he was going to go back and see dad. Because he sure missed his dad. He was going to go back and he was going to tell his dad, I'm not even worthy. In the sight of God or in your sight, I'm not worthy. He finally repented. Now perhaps today I'm speaking to a father and a son or a father and a daughter who are not as close as they used to be. You know, God has an answer for that. God can fix that. And can I say this to everyone here today and to everyone watching online? I'd like to say this. This is very important. And you probably are familiar with God's word in, in Exodus chapter 20 and Ephesians chapter 6 where it says, Children, honor your parents. You remember that? Honor your father and mother. You remember reading that? Yes? Even out of the commandments, you know that, right? Now, 
Um, why would God ask us? Yea, why would he command us to honor our parents? Especially if, you know, we've had trouble with our parents. Not everyone has had perfect parents. By the way, can you think of someone who's ever had perfect parents? Because I can't. I've been working on that one for 46 years. I wonder who had perfect parents. Oh, maybe, uh, maybe Mary and Joseph. No, they weren't perfect either. Well, the Adam and Eve. No, wait a minute. They weren't perfect either. King David. No, I know he wasn't perfect either. Do you know of anyone that had perfect parents? Maybe we shouldn't be so quick to judge our imperfect parents. Because we're not perfect. But in Ephesians chapter 6, God commands us to honor our fathers and our mothers. And here's why. We are to honor our dads because he begat. B-E-G-A-T. He begat us. The truth is we would not exist if it had not been for our dad. We would not exist. And I know someone's going to say, whoa, wait a minute, time out. What about the mother? We wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the mother too. And you are absolutely right. But you know, it starts with the dad. You know that. If you know anything about biology, it starts with the dad. Because of our dad, we exist. You say, so what? I didn't ask to be born. Hey, parent, have you ever heard that before? Has your child ever said that one to you? <laughs> That's a pretty lame thing to say. That is really dumb. But we're not here to talk about that. Something that I found interesting reading in the book of Job, chapter 41, God said to Job, Who hath prevented me? Now God is talking to Job and he says, Who hath prevented me? The idea is who hath gone before. Prevent means to go before. To go before and prepare the way. God is saying, who hath prevented me? Who went before and made it possible for me? Who hath prevented me, says God, that I should repay him? Who hath prevented me that I should repay him? Job 41.11 Who hath prevented me that I should repay him? Let me ask you here today, and you that are watching online, did anyone go before you and make some kind of preparation for you? To prepare life for you. Did anyone do that? And the answer, yeah, one word, dad. Dad. Dad went before us. All of us. Every one of us had a dad before we were conceived. And that dad prepared the way for us. And that's why in Job 41.11, God said, Who hath prevented me, gone before me, prepared the way, as it were, that I should repay him. And this is why we honor our dad. God is saying here that we are to repay those who have come before us and prepared the way for us. Our dads came before us and prepared the way for us. We would not exist had it not been for our dads. How do we repay our dads? Ephesians 6, 1. Honor. Honor your father and your mother. We repay them by honoring them. And then God will open the windows of heaven and bless us. That's his promise. That's why it's called the first commandment with promise. You and I, by faith, honor our dad and God will honor 
what we've just done. And he will make things go well for us. The promise is that he'll give us long life and make things go well with us. If we will honor our dad. Our dad and our mom. I'll tell you, you can receive the blessings of God if you will heed God's call to repentance. God is calling us to repentance. Now in our story here, the father had done nothing wrong. There's no evidence whatsoever. The father didn't abuse his child, his son. Now if he had of, if the father in our story had of done something wrong, yes, then he would have needed to repent and ask his son to forgive him. You know, one of the hardest things for a father sometimes is to sit down after he realizes he's done wrong. Sit down with his son or his daughter and look him in the eye and say, Oh honey, sweetheart, would you forgive me? Would you forgive daddy? I've made a mistake. I've done wrong. That is not easy. Because men struggle with pride. Oh well, under the circumstances, I did the best I could. No, you messed up. If you're a dad and you messed up. Now, maybe you've punished your child for something you thought they did, only you found out later they didn't do it. Or you won't be the first dad to make that mistake. But you need to sit down and make things right. Because if you don't, that child will hold it against you all their life. This is how the devil masses things up. Isn't that right? Boy, the devil's good at what he does. And so if the father in the story of the prodigal son had have done wrong, he would have needed to repent and ask his son to forgive him. And then after that, God would have given the blessing. But in our story here, it was the son who messed up pretty badly. He had done wrong. And when he finally woke up, he repented. And he came to his father and God gave him the blessing. Now let me ask you, is there anyone here today that misses their dad? Do you miss your dad? Do you long for his smile? Do you wish you were close with him? The name Pablo over in Spain is a very common boy's name. Pablo. Very, very common boy's name. And many years ago there was a story of a Spanish father and his son Pablo. And they grew apart. The devil got in there and father-son fell apart there. And one day Pablo ran away. He ran away from home. And his father set out to find his son. As the story goes, he searched for him for months, but couldn't find him. And finally, in one last desperate effort to find Pablo, the father put an advertisement in the newspaper in the Madrid, that's the city, in the Madrid newspaper. And the advertisement read, Dear Pablo, all is forgiven. Meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. I love you. Signed, your father. On that Saturday, the father came and over 50 Pablos had shown up looking for love and forgiveness from their fathers. Now today is Father's Day. And dad, I'm speaking to the dads now. Perhaps you have a prodigal Pablo. Or maybe you don't have a prodigal son. Maybe you have a prodigal daughter. Well, first you need to ask yourself. Have I done anything wrong to drive them away? 
Have I exasperated them? Have I broken my promises to them? Have I hurt them or abused them in any way? Have I driven them from me? And if the Lord tells you, yeah, you have, then you need to repent. Dad, you need to be the first and do the repenting. And then my question is, if God brings them back to you, if God should bring Pablo back to you, will you receive him without judging him like the father did to his prodigal son? His father received him, embraced him, and hugged him, and kissed him. He didn't sit him down and say, now before you go any further here, let's get something straight. He didn't judge him, did he? If God brings your Pablo back to you, what would you do? Would you receive him? Now perhaps today I'm speaking to a prodigal Pablo, a prodigal son, or maybe a prodigal daughter I'm speaking to today. Can I ask you this, son or daughter, have you dishonored your dad? Have you dishonored him and given him a hard time? Will you listen to God's call of repentance? It's Father's Day, and if your father is still alive, I'm asking you, won't you please tell your dad you love him? Won't you please do that? You say, well, Pastor, what do you do if your dad really was mean and really nasty and just, you know, a horrible father? What do you do? How do you, how do you tell him you love him without being a horrible hypocrite? There are some people that can't stand the sight of the, their father. That happens in the world. What do you do if your dad is mean and nasty? Well, the answer is this, my friend. Honoring your father is always done by faith. Faith, not by sight, not by feelings. It's done by faith. You do it to honor God. So will you reach out and make the effort today toward your dad? But what do you do if your dad's not living, if he's passed away? Maybe he passed away and you were at odds with him. Boy, that really seems like a pretty hopeless situation. Did you know that you can still honor your dad today by speaking well of him? You can still honor your dad. Put his picture up on a wall in your home. And speak well of him and never again speak evil. Oh, my old man, he this and that. Never, ever, ever do that again. You start honoring the father that God gave you. We do it by faith. You know, we get down on some of these people that are abusing our government these days and calling our government all kinds of horrible, nasty names. Folks, we are to honor those in power, even though they may not be very saintly. We are to honor them by faith and not call them a bunch of names. And we're to honor our fathers and our mothers, even if they haven't been the best. We're to honor them by faith. We do it to please God. That's why we do it. Now, if you're here today or you're watching online, if you're a Christian believer, you're born again, you know you are. There's a time and place in your life when you were saved and you can point to it. You know you're saved. There are changes in your life. Godly Christian changes in your life. You know you've got the fruit and evidence that you're born again. Then praise the Lord. But can I ask you, my Christian brother, my Christian sister, can I ask you, are you honoring your heavenly Father? 
Are you spending enough time with him every day? Or do you run out, do your thing, come home, eat, go to sleep the next day? Do you ignore your heavenly father? Are you honoring him by spending enough time with him every day? That's a good question. Well, finally, I'll tell you something that's far worse than having no earthly dad. And that's having no heavenly dad. Isn't that right? And perhaps you're here today or maybe you're watching online. You have no earthly, I'm sorry, you have no heavenly father. You may have an earthly father, but you have no heavenly daddy. And God, the creator, he is a father in heaven and he loves you. And he's calling you home. You know, through sin, you've made a wreck of your life. Sin always destroys. Look what it did to the prodigal. Sin has made a wreck of your relationship with Almighty God the Father. It's ruined. And because of that, there's no home waiting for you in heaven. But God sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins and my sins. And He was dead, buried, and raised to life on the third day. Hallelujah. And He is knocking on your heart's door if you've never received Christ as your Savior. Maybe deep inside your heart, you're feeling a sense of, I need to do something. I need to set this right. Well, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. It can be your greatest day if you will let it. Today you can become God's son or God's daughter by faith. You can become God's child. And you can have a heavenly daddy that's so much better than the daddy in our story here today. And the key is repentance. Will you repent of your sin? Will you finally wake up and come to the heavenly father? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for prayer. Our loving heavenly father, we thank you for allowing us to have a Father's Day. What a wonderful opportunity. And it's a day that's celebrated around the world. Not necessarily on this particular day, but most of the civilized countries anyhow seem to honor their dads. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would give great blessing to the fathers and the children today. Give great joy and love and a coming together and a great victory. And I pray for anyone who is not yet born again. And perhaps in their heart of hearts, they would admit that and say to you something like, Heavenly Father, I am not worthy to be even called your son. I've ruined my life through sin. Forgive my sins. Forgive my sins, I now accept Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. Save my soul from going to hell. Take me to heaven one day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.